0: everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode, we're diving into Sue's serial killer movies from 1995: Seven and Copycat. I'm your host, Michael, and Kersey's on the other side. Hey, how's it going? Okay, I was convinced by somebody else that I had seen both of these in the theater at the same time, but I looked in my book, and yes, I've recorded every single movie I've ever seen in the theater. So I saw this with powder of all movies. I didn't see Seven until it was at home. <laughs> that's a. Okay, that's a.
1: Sea, but you saw copycat and powder at the same
0: time yeah well I mean this is it was a, a dollar theater so when you would travel because oh, we live in a small town and we would travel into the city to go to movies and whenever we went we almost always saw a double feature so it was worth our money especially if it's just like a buck you know yeah but this seems like peak serial killer time we have already you know the the surge of whatever happened after um, uh, Silence of the Lambs, and you know it winning the Academy Award, making a crap ton of cash. But this feels like the peak of quality serial killer movies, and it kind of dips down like within the next few years.
1: Yeah, Copycat definitely feels more more in line with uh, uh, with Silence of the Lambs than Seven, which is kind of doing its own thing.
0: Yeah. Well, what I like about both movies is. Um, unlike a lot of the serial killer movies before and after this is they always had a method of their own but they both have what is basically like oh this is an homage to previous killings or a previous set rules uh, Seven being the bible and, and and Copycat being what other serial killers had done before whereas it always seems like in other serial killer movies like they're just like oh well, let's find their method of their madness or whatever through this like what's their pattern that's always usually the mystery yeah,
1: and, and both of these still have those, it's just a little, seven's definitely more obvious um, than Copycat, it takes them a little while to figure that
0: one out. I remember when 7 came out and it's all people talked about for months, I didn't see it till video, um, but I just remember like, it was one of these movies that just came out of nowhere and, and just the critical acclaim started building and building and building and when it opened it, it was huge, and it was such a big hit that I believe 7 and like a couple of movies around this time are the reasons why Warner Brothers finally bought up New Line Cinema because they saw the writing on the wall that this is a little studio that could do more than just Freddy. And I think it made like $150, $250 million. And that's crazy considering like Brad Pitt really was struggling at this time to be a star. And, you know, Morgan Freeman was always kind of like, you know, just the guy that was always... Uh, secondary kind of character, you know, you get the main yeah, lead, but...
1: he's, he's a solid choice, though.
0: Yeah, and but both of these are like they're both. This is more of Morgan Freeman movies than Brad Pitt because I didn't notice this the first time I'd seen this. I've only seen it twice. Um, Brad Pitt's kind of a fucking moron. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, and that kind
1: of well, yeah. So like the way a lot of uh, cop dramas work, or any, or even just a buddy cop movie really is about, like, a, a terrible rookie who who learns how to be, you know, an, an effective team member. Brad Pitt never learns how to be an effective
0: team no. member. He fucks up all the way to the very end of the movie. Yeah, he's got this, like, pomposity about him. Like, he thinks, oh, yeah, I'm going to take this over from this old guy. He's over, you know, whatever. I'm going to be a hot shot. And... It is it is interesting though that he kind of acknowledges that he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He's like you're like checking out books and getting information and whatever instead of like just admitting, you know what? Maybe you could teach me a thing or two. Yeah, it's it's just I mean that that is the point
1: though, like uh, of him in the end of the movie being sort of the the, the wrathful uh, kill. I mean that he is wrath personified. Like he doesn't think he just acts and it never works out right.
0: You know. <sighs> To fast forward to the end, I I have a problem with one thing in this: the logic of him saying if you do this, he wins, and I'm like, yeah, but he doesn't get to enjoy it. The the second the bullet enters his skull, he never really knows that he won. There's there's no there's no point for him to know when the you know because the, the, you know the second you pull the trigger, the bullet's in your head, you're dead. He doesn't really win, so I don't I don't understand that reasoning. I,
1: I think I get like. It, like, if he dies there, he dies basically a martyr for his cause, and that can inspire other people. If he is in jail, then he just kind of becomes a freak show, kind of like what happened with Charles Manson. I guess. Not a lot of people were, like, inspired by him after
0: that event, but I feel like if he did die... But who knows? Um, in some blaze of glory, that could have been a bigger
1: thing. But yeah, I guess we don't know for sure, but I think that's
0: kind of what they were going for. Well, I They're guess the about. news would have picked it up. Can you imagine if this would take place in the social media age? If you were ever to do a sequel or remake of this, and him wanting to be a celebrity and getting that message across all of Twitter and Facebook or whatever, you know, like, I mean, they would get shut down fairly quickly because of, you know, standards and practices – but you can see, like, he would have some sort of following on social media. Like, YouTube, he'd have his own video, you know, just talking about the, the deadly sins and punching those. And he would he would be, you know, yeah. fuck, he would probably run for president. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of movies, like, uh, low-budget
1: crap movies that have, like, attempted that kind of story. Not not with Seven, but with the idea of, like, you yeah, know, social media killers, like, that kind of thing. It's, it's, no one's really been able to do it right. I feel like we need a David Fincher-esque sort of director to make it, to, to do
0: that, because I do agree, I think that would make for a great movie. There was one I saw not that long ago with a kid from Stranger Things, you know, the older one that was kind of hip and cool, he was working at uh, the ice cream place, um, but he, oh, yeah, yeah. he made one, Joyrider, something like that, where, where, uh, he yes. isn't, yeah, he, he was like an Uber, right? Yeah, he's an Uber driver and he wants to be a celebrity so bad and nothing, no matter how hard he tries, does it take off. So he decides he's gonna be killing people on his live stream videos, whatever, in order to become famous, and it still fails him. (laughs) Spoiler: the he's still a fucking loser, no matter what. That was an interesting like twist on like how a serial killer would work in the social media age. Yeah, I
1: think if I think if you were to play it more like the the drama is that like the social media network you don't have to use; you can use a fake one or whatever doesn't want to take down the videos or doesn't want to. Uh, ban the per because, like,
0: well, we don't know if this is real or Yeah, anything. also, so, like, like... We never found the body, so this could just
1: all be fake, so why... And this is making us money, so why bother even touching
0: this? It's it's interesting because if you think about, like, the way Musk runs Twitter, he's like, oh, freedom of speech, nothing will be banned or whatever. Like, that could be a different thing in a serial c- What? Oh, my God, we're not even talking about Seven. Holy fuck. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Okay. We're... So... So this so basically uh, say. This saved David Fincher's career because, you know, uh, Alien 3 really upset everybody. Like, the fans didn't like it at the time. I know it has a following now, especially with the director's cut being seen. Um, but the studio wasn't happy. The fact that he was even given another chance with something like a little high level for him, for for a studio or whatever, he, is a shock. And, and it, it saved his career. It, it allowed one? him, like, another ten years of failures, if need be. Didn't he do Room before this one? No, Panic Room's way after this. It goes Alien Three. Oh, it really? It goes Alien Three Seven. The game, Fight Club, then Panic Room.
1: Okay, really that far?
0: Yeah, Jesus. and you know, and so he would have flops like Fight Club and stuff like that, but he still had this to back him up, and then he would go do another studio movie, like you know, he would just do that. He would do like a movie for them, and then maybe two or three for himself. And now he's basically on like uh, you know streaming platforms because they cater more to directors who have their own vision. This is 100 like his vision. Like you see everything that he had been working on and Alien and the videos before that. Here it is. It's really stark in, in its in its vision of what this hell city is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, even just, like, small
1: details, which I, I didn't even notice the first couple of times, but literally every scene of the movie, it's raining. Just, like, stylistic touches like that, they don't even really think about, but it just adds all of this, this element to
0: it. Yeah, they never actually say what city it is, but I'm assuming it's Seattle.
1: Really? Oh, I just kind of assumed either New York or Boston.
0: Oh. But then again,
1: people probably have that
0: yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's in my head because, you know, we both live... Well, you still live or I lived in the Pacific Northwest forever. So whenever I see really rainy cities, I usually think of where That's we cool. are. So I usually think of either Portland, Seattle, or Vancouver. That makes sense. Yeah. And... Um, uh, the other thing, too, like, oh, that we you mentioned earlier, the fact
1: that, like, Brad Pitt sort of like the, the, the young detective that we think is going to carry on the torch, um, but doesn't end up doing that. That's actually an interesting... Element that not a lot of other uh, movies or uh, TV shows have done. The only exception I can think of is Too Old to Die Young. Have you seen that?
0: No. Who's in that one? It sounds familiar. Uh, I think it's Miles Teller. Oh, okay. Yes, I know what you're Michael talking I yeah, don't yeah. Know. yeah, but uh, yeah, that one's by Nicholas Winding Reffin. Can't pronounce it. Oh, right. The Do guy I, that did Drive. Okay. I, yeah, it's a fantastic series. It's. T- lowest
1: goddamn thing I've ever seen it's like 10 episodes and every episode is like two hours long um but I love it because I, I I guess I don't know I'm a masochist in that way but anyway <laughs> the, that actually that that series does have that same dynamic where you it kind of builds up to this passing of the torch that just never happens
0: the uh everybody talks about like in, in the 90s everybody started cutting off of their hair and a lot of people said it was because of uh Mission Impossible with uh um, Tom Cruise cutting off his hair, but I noticed that this is first. The, Brad Pitt had all those, uh, you know, that go- gorgeous head of long locks for an interview with a vampire and Legend of the Fall, and he chopped it off. And I feel like that look is still going to this day. Like he really set a trend. I feel
1: like it's starting to reverse. I'm seeing a lot more guys with long hair
0: and Yeah, I'm looking at the people who were uh, offered this first. Uh, Sylvester Stallone and Denzel Washington were offered before Brad Pitt. Stallone—that's the weirdest thing to me. I never expected that. And then as the uh, older officer, it was Robert Duvall, Gene Hackman, Al Pacino, and, and then it finally went to Morgan Freeman. I it just—it feels like Morgan Freeman is perfectly cast in this. And this kind of him yeah, other stuff. Yeah, those would have been very different
1: movies if those guys were.
0: Included. Yeah, it—it it, doesn't it seem like this led to like him doing Kiss the Girls and Along Came the Spider and just a hundred other roles where he was kind of the mentor, the retiring guy to someone younger. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, Another thing about those those other guys that, that they have more of an intensity that is actually not not welcome in a movie this where his character is meant to be like defeated. <laughs>
0: can you and imagine? Meant Al- to be subdued. Al Pacino coming, he's killing people based on the seven sins. Hua. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would've been, it would
1: have been terrible. Yeah. Maybe not terrible, but it's definitely doesn't it would not feel like the same
0: movie. The um Andrew to Kevin Walker. I remember for a while, like he was talked about a bunch. Like I remember he ended up doing Sleepy Hollow, but before this, he does a fun, like kind of the last of those campy horror films where it was centered around kind of a Joker kind of guy, um, like a Freddy kind of guy or whatever. It was called Brain Scan. Have you ever seen that? Oh yeah, I, I have it on my list to watch. Yeah, it's it's a really fun movie, and it sadly got just just buried. But that's where you got to start. But I just I always remember like. For years there, his name was added to anything that was a thriller, and they thought he was going to be the big, you know, new uh, I I don't know, sometimes it just happens, you're a flash in the pan for a little while, but he had done 8mm after this too, which I love. Oh, wait, who was that? Uh, Andrew Kevin Walker, the guy who wrote 7. Oh, okay, I thought I was the director, I was like no, no. "No, the guy did not direct 8mm, that was Schumacher. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one of the few Schumacher movies I actually like exactly yeah that's
1: that's how I know that it's him because
0: yeah it's so funny is that you spend so much of the movie waiting for the killer and you would think based on the the post discussion of seven that Kevin Spacey was in way more of this he's really only what maybe 10 15 minutes yeah other than his voice but
1: like that's yeah that's it like and, and you expect kind of a big moment to happen and instead he just like meekly walks into the Station and turn himself in, which is like the last thing you would expect from someone like
0: him, yeah, because you thought just the whole thing was go- turn, yeah, you thought it was gonna be a hunt, you know, and then and they were gonna have to eventually go to him, but he just like, fuck it, I'm done, I'm you know, like I have my one last thing revved up for you. <laughs> they never do find the yeah, final two bodies, do they? No, but that's the thing,
1: too, is like he, he, he is in control the entire movie, it, it, like the, the detectives fail, that's the whole like they literally couldn't catch him until he
0: just walked up. Yeah, it's such an interesting movie because, uh, for the most part, they they fail their job completely, uh, and it's just like yep. you know Morgan Freeman can't stop Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt ends up killing him, which I don't know. He'll probably go to jail and have his badge removed or whatever, so his career is oh, over. Sure. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised Morgan Freeman's like, nah, fuck it, I'm retiring anyway. You know, <laughs> if he was if he was gonna do it. <laughs> that being like an early draft of the script yeah. but uh, I, I like it the i like it the way it
1: is cuz it is such a unique uh cop serial killer movie where it does not wrap up neatly um it is messy complicated and um ambiguous uh, that's what i really love about it that makes it so unique
0: yeah the gore effects too i mean i remember i remember getting fangori around this time and they were really like this is a serial killer movie that really tests the limits of almost going into a horror film
1: Oh yeah, the the sloth kill. Like, it wasn't oh. even dead, but yeah, that scene is horrifying.
0: Yeah, there's... actually, you know, like the the, the hanging um, uh,
1: car fresheners. Uh, I actually did that for a Halloween party once. <laughs> I, like, I made a fake body, put it in a in a bed in, a, in my bed, and then just hung a bunch of those in
0: in my room. Um, I bought like three hundred of them. And oh my god! That, the smell I could not get out of my room. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, anything else you want was, to say? Before? It was awesome. Though. It was. It looks so fucking cool. I wish I took a picture. <laughs> anything else you want to say about this movie before we go into the next?
1: No, this is uh this is like a high recommend. I mean, obviously, I, mean, I think I think most people who would be listening to this would know this movie and have probably seen it, but definitely you have not seen it, see
0: it. Yeah, you've you said you've seen it quite a bit. and You basically have this like you know you didn't really have to go back and revisit this one.
1: No, I I, I own it. My mom showed this movie to me when I was like.
0: 14, Yeah. And yeah, I've loved it since. The uh, Now, this is going to sound like blasphemy, and I know it's more pop, but I actually prefer Copycat. It might be my second favorite, maybe third. Uh, you got Manhunter, you got Zodiac, and you got this. Mm-hmm. I fucking yeah. love Copycat, and I would say 90% of the reason why I love Copycat is Sigourney Weaver's performance. I think maybe yes, she, her best performance. Excellent. And, and, and the fact that they threw in the agoraphobia there's for, for years now I wanted to write a story about someone who's stuck in a haunted house who has agoraphobia like just think about it. you can't stay in but you can't go out and that's kind of a lot of the element they throw into this yeah um yeah the, the concept of not being able to escape yourself yeah is, is really fascinating and I think and again
1: job! Like I've never seen someone have a like a panic attack um, in a movie that made me feel like I'm having a
0: panic attack. Oh, absolutely! And the and the director does a very good job of whenever she goes out, you could see like the visual manifestation of that anxiety attack it's not as stylish it doesn't have that signature like fincher has john is an interesting director because he jumps genres every single film he never stays in a very he never like fincher is basically a thriller kind of guy um like he had benjamin button and stuff like that but like a uh, john amiel goes from like summers well he did a british film or two and then he did summersby with richard Gere and jodie foster then this like he did the core and just like every movie was completely different cuz he didn't want to be pigeonholed but also like in retrospect, you can't bring up the name John Emile to anybody and go, "Oh yeah, I love his work." You know, like you don't even know what the fuck he directs. You probably don't even know his name. Yeah, it's so interesting, like it just how directors do that. But and this was a big hit, not as big as Seven. I looked, I was wrong. Seven made three hundred and fifty-seven million worldwide. This was a phenomenon. Yeah. yeah. Now, copycat like. Yeah, it wasn't very expensive and it made its money back or whatever but I just remember um, being in the theater and it wasn't long after it came out we're at the dollar theater I was like oh this wasn't gonna hold up very well <laughs> at the end of the movie <laughs> me, my sister and my best friend are sitting on one side and there's only one other pe- person in the theater and that always kind of gives me the creepos for some reason when it's just like one other person and um, at the end he just goes shoot that motherfucker in the head <laughs> And that is the only time in my life I have ever heard somebody scream something at the screen. <laughs> and I was like, yeah! But also, that's a little scary. <laughs>
1: um,
0: and also, like, the fact that it kind of does a rope-a-dope. It makes you think one thing is happening for the first half of the movie. Like, you were thoroughly convinced it's the first guy. And then it slowly... It doesn't do that thing that movies after Scream did where it leads you almost to the, you know, the red herring, almost to the very, very end. It almost, like, it just switches lanes. And then you get to focus on the killer.
1: I mean, I wouldn't say it was, like, in the halfway
0: point. It was probably at the end of the first act, though. Oh, okay. I mean, like, the... the what,
1: I, that's the thing I, I really do like about the movie, though. Is that the... He has one scene at home, I think that's it. And that's what makes him so creepy. It's like the the not knowing. And that's the, the, the same thing like with Seven, is the mystery of who this person is, and you never get that yeah well, understanding.
0: And this is all in long, in the same vein. It's like we don't know exactly what his past is and we don't know what led him to this point. He is just this. Right. I mean, he seems to have a loving wife at home. Who, maybe she's sickly. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I, I mean... But it feels like the whole time, and they never really explain it. Like you said, it, is he just is he a guy who's constantly putting on a different face to other people, and he does, or does he not know who he is? Because there's a scene in the gay bar where you see him like change who he is and struggle with holding that. And it's only, like, a minute from him putting the drugs into the drink or whatever, and then walking out. He's, like, dancing or whatever, and he's focused on that or whatever. And it's like he's trying to—so desperately to keep the mask on, and he's struggling. I thought that was really interesting.
1: Yeah, no, he his performance was great, too. Not, I wasn't so keen on him at, at the end, but I understand, like, that's—I understand the choice that they made with it, and it kind of works, but— in my I really like the fact that yeah, like you said, when he was at the club, it seemed like he was a completely different person, but there was like that that, that touch there of yeah. like,
0: this isn't who I am. Like no. you'll never know who that is. I feel like and they don't say it anywhere, I feel like the end was reshot or somebody came in, they're like, Make him bigger, make him more outrageous, make him crazy, crazy. and I don't <laughs> like that. It's showy, it's acting, yeah. and I don't want that.
1: stated as a as a serial killer. And that's again what also makes it very creepy. Because he's not just like this animalistic douchebag like he is at the end of the movie. He's like he's a very intelligent serial killer.
0: Yeah. Um and it's ruthless. There's two major deaths in this that I mean it basically just takes the rug out from under you and you're like, oh God, I didn't know they were gonna do that. I mean I'm not going to spoil it, but like one person gets taken out way before I ever expected them to be taken out because I thought they were basically one of the leads. And then all of a sudden, there's another person. We're like, oh, they're not going to do that. They'll threaten or whatever. No, just cold-blooded, just fucking kills them. And I was shocked. Um, The guy who's helping Sigourney Weaver, is that her brother or is that just a friend? Who is that? Do they explain it? They don't explain it, but I I just
1: figured it's a friend. I don't think it really matters.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, no, I mean, because for for the first half of the movie, I thought that was her brother. And, and, you know, it makes other things later in the movie, like, hurt more. Oh, yeah. It could be. Um, but, no, I, I got the sense that they were just friends. Okay. Yeah, and a big part of this movie is the fact that she just will not leave her apartment, which causes a lot of issues. And, like I said, hers is an absolutely astounding performance. I'm not sure if I like Holly Hunter, like... I almost feel like they were just juxtaposing like her big, uh, Sigourney's big performance and her kind of restrained, quiet performance. But I also kind of like was sad for her because it didn't seem she had a lot to work with for her character. I do I actually
1: really liked her performance. It, 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 they, you know, obviously they were they gender swapping. You know, what would be an older, uh, more masculine character um, for someone like her, and I think she did a great job with. That, but it is kind of a more stereotyped role, but it's not giving a sort of performance. If that makes
0: any sense, yeah. I don't know, that just You know, what'd be funny it, but. is if there was an alternate universe where Sigourney and Holly Hunter started seven, and then and then Brad and Morgan in, in Copycat, where Morgan can't leave the apartment. Yeah, that is also
1: interesting too, because they have, have not seen that concept done very often, which is um, women being main driving force of, like, a serial killer thriller film, like, as, as the cops hunting. Like, I don't, I don't
0: see that very often. Yeah, it does... The horror in these kind of thrillers really do cater towards, like, hey, let's let's make them female-led. Um, and now it's a little bit better, because we have action movies with female leads and stuff like that, but it did seem like in the 90s, that's all they really had, and I was like, you know, that I think that's why they were so successful, because you have the horror fans... Um, It can cater to men, but also, like, women are like, oh, this is my in on this genre. Yeah. Um, Yeah, It it does does have a different flair to it. Maybe not much, and maybe it's not really important. I just think it's interesting that, like, a lot of
1: female roles in these types of movies are usually victims. And so having, like, the two main leads who are chasing the serial killer being women... Sort of like being in a sort of power position is more interesting. I don't know if it does anything, but I, it's just again I haven't seen that
0: very often. I wonder if their plan was to have a sequel with this, with that ending, or they always just kind of like yeah, just fucking leave it. You know, like a lot of horror movies just leave it open. Like the horror, the thrillers never end. You know. Yeah, yeah. But that was a goofy performance. That is a <laughs> fucking deliverance, kind of there, <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was an unfortunate. I don't know. It was
1: decision made by. Director, if it was video interference, it, it was an otherwise strange choice in a, in a really good thriller.
0: Yeah, it's also like Harry Connick Jr. That's the guy you chose, the country singer. <laughs> I mean, not the country singer. The um, he's like a crooner, like a Frank Sinatra kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. So that I mean, I was, was actually
1: shocked to look that up. I I didn't know I didn't know who he was on site It's weird it's like my mom's favorite singer. Um, but it's the I. I I really liked his performance at the end, like, the the twist, obviously, at the end there.
0: Yeah, yeah. But also, like, his his look into the camera was, like, legitimately menacing. Oh, yeah, and then they hold it. Yeah, well, I can't think of, like, a more
1: horrifying feeling than someone who just wants to kill you. And will not stop, no matter
0: what. Yeah, and, and like, his it, it, it's it's terrifying. But his is weird because the way he approaches it it is almost like that's what makes him horny. Like he gets off on it. Like killing someone is his love letter to them. Like and not just like he needs to yeah. kill. He, so yeah, the first guy he has a gimmick, but the other one's just like I just like killing. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite hobby. There, there's fishing. There's Plain Banjos and then Kalen. Alright, well, I guess that's it on that discussion. Anything else you want to say before we go? No, I had not heard of both of these. I thought it was... I had a great time watching Yeah, I absolutely had... I think it's... uh, Copycat really surprised me because back when I saw it, I was like, ah, it's just your regular everyday kind of thriller. I was like, oh! You know, as you get older, you start understanding performances and stuff like that more. You're like, oh, this is fucking good. (laughs) Yeah. I honestly don't know if you can ever copy uh, or uh, uh, top um, Zodiac, though. Zodiac is just my absolute favorite. Is that and Manhunter are both my favorites? Yeah, yeah it's those... hard to choose between them. Yeah, you know, those Yeah, those. Those are my top three. Copycat, Manhunter, and Zodiac. You're, you're, you'll probably switch out seven for Copycat, obviously. but I, I would, yeah. <laughs> but everything else is the same. All right. That's it, everybody. You know where to find us. Bye.